Hi, my name is Amy Reinecke, and I'm here to help you learn to love your body well. Love Your Body Well is a podcast designed to encourage women to find the beauty in caring for their bodies without obsession, guilt, and shame. We are ditching the perfection mindset and embracing the season of life you are in, all while figuring out what works best for you on your wellness journey. Join me for weekly episodes as we navigate this journey together, and let's start a revolution of women who are focused on wellness while also being compassionate and kind to their bodies. Are you ready to live your body well? Today, I get to bring you a fellow KC gal who I'm really excited to share with you. Riley Dodd is a licensed clinical professional here in Kansas City, and she owns Wholehearted KC. It's a group practice based in Overland Park, actually. In her work, Riley fosters meaningful connections, encourages positive change, and helps individuals transform their struggles into strengths. And I love that so, so much. For the sake of today's episode, we're really going to talk about self-doubt and limiting beliefs. And I think that when we talk about wellness, we can't talk about wellness without addressing some of those really big elephants in the room, like self-doubt, like limiting beliefs, like imposter syndrome. I think that that is something that a lot of us struggle with. But a lot of times we struggle with it silently and we don't struggle with it out in the open because then we feel like we're failing. And so I'm really excited for this conversation with Riley. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I am excited too. I always love when I can connect with other Kansas City folks. And ironically, there's like podcast groups you can go and find guests. And that's where I found Riley. And then come to find out we have many multiple friends. So this is such an interesting connection today that I'm really excited to have. And I'm excited to share you with others too, because I think that coming from the lens of a therapist, it's always really helpful. There might be people who don't have access to to a therapist. And so being able to kind of get some nuggets that could help them on their journey, I think is really beneficial to be able to provide. And I'm really happy to be able to do that. So thank you for taking time out of your day to kind of share this today. All right, we're going to dive in. And before we do, I would love for you to share just a little bit, Riley, about how you became passionate about this idea of self-doubt and imposter syndrome and helping people get out of that cycle. Well, it's a personal story. (laughs) So like you said, I am a therapist and I have a practice here in Oakland Park and I love seeing clients one-on-one. But as soon as my caseload got really full, I thought, well, this feels limiting and I want to share and impact on a larger scale. I really am passionate about like, you know, working with the stigma of mental health and how we can educate and provide awareness to so many more people. I sort of started doing it on Instagram when I realized as a therapist, I could have that role too. But I was met with like so much self-doubt. It was, it was debilitating. Like it, I was like, who am I? Who do I think I can do this? And so it has become a platform as I have worked through it personally. (laughs) And it's almost become a pillar of what I share. And so I think I am I am working through it as I work with my clients. I guess I like to share that I'm human too. And I like to normalize that therapists are human. And I think it makes us more real. And now I just like can't get enough of it. Because <laughs> I think every time I share a little bit more, it's relatable. We all have it. It's it's part of being human. It's just how can it not take power over us? So it is like in control, I think is what how we need to work through it. Yeah, how it can affect the decisions that we make, how we can move forward. So I too work with self-doubt. 
before I started this podcast a year ago, I was like, who am I? I like, I don't have my health all figured out. I am like, I don't look like the poster child of wellness. I have my own health journey. What makes me feel like I can share about this? And so what I hope, what I hope that you guys are hearing today is that sometimes we have this idea that everybody around us has everything all the way figured out. And this is just two imperfect people showing up today and having a really genuine conversation that we hope can bless you and give you some advice just to show up in your own life, even if you are scared. Let's kind of dive into that. Let's talk like self-doubt. Where do you think it comes from? Like, is this something that we develop as a kid? Or when does this, when do you really start to see this start to kind of quote unquote shine in people? Because I look at my kids and like my four and eight year old have zero self doubt at this age. Now my 12 year old is starting to, to showcase some of that. So when does that shift kind of happen? And where do you see it the most? Isn't that so interesting? I can think back to like my earliest memories where I did feel like it wasn't this like heavy cloud. So I think we can look at like the social comparison. We can look at, you know, fear of failure in our current day and it's so real. But if you really look back at like the zero to eight or even zero to three, even Mm -hmm. before we're like verbal, zero to eight, we are supposed to like be able to experience the world in a safe space and be able to be curious. And I'm going to say like 95% of us probably don't get our all of our developmental dependency needs met. Even the most loving parents can misattune to their kids. And when that happens, there is wounds, there's attachment wounds. And it instead of like being able to like work through it as an adult in our logical, like fully developed brain, we almost take that in as like part of who we are, part yeah. of our core being that we're not good enough, not smart enough, that we're to blame. We can't do it. We can't handle it becomes this language that is so ingrained in us that we feel like it's in us. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right on that. And it's not, you know, obviously we each have our own like trauma from childhood and that can be like big T, little T. It's not like huge things. I'm not talking about like huge things, but then you feel kind of guilty about it. Like, well, I mean, it was good enough, right? Like I, who am I to complain about it then? Like as a parent, especially, then you start to realize like, wow, they really did the best that they could. But now like through your healing work, I think what you finally realize is nobody comes out of it like perfect. And I think just, saying that out loud is really helpful and takes some of the pressure off of parents today too. And I love that you're in the cycle where you are probably reflecting on your own childhood and parenting and it's 100%. like confusing, messy middle. Very. <laughs> and nobody, there is, there is no such thing as a perfect parent. Mm-mm. But when we show up, like you said, I had a good childhood. My parents loved me. They put dinner on the table. I did all the things. They drove me to soccer. Sometimes it's still not enough. And it doesn't mean that parents are bad parents, but it, it takes away that the self-blame and the self-judgment that we form instead of like, oh, I was doing the best I could too. My parents were doing the best I could. And that belief isn't just part of me. Right. And what I think we do, especially women who grow up and then internalize it essentially, and it creates body image issues and it creates food issues. I think that taking a real honest look of where is this verbiage really coming from? What was I told? Who said it? Is that true? And like questioning the thoughts that you have can be a really important way to challenge some of the things that you're thinking. I've had to like undo so much conditioning thinking about the language that I grew up in 
And mm-hmm. I, I thought it was just normal. And if we look at like what I think our verbiage around mind or body and food was, was really unhealthy. And when you connect that, like your, your worth towards like how your body, like that is just like, it's just like a vicious cycle. So yeah, I think it's the messages of how we grew up. It's title messages, the conditioning of our worth is also tied to like how we look. And that is so confusing. And I, I don't know if I brought this up with my mom. She was totally had such this diet culture message yeah. and how she talked about how she looked. And so then whether she even ever said it to me, it can be like implicit. It can just be feelings. It can be conversations that you overhear. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to ever be like something that was told to you. Right. I too. I'm 41. I don't know how old you are. That same age. So we can have a very real conversation here that our moms did nothing wrong. That was just the generation and what it looked like. I have had that conversation with my mom. We have like talked about it because I've been in therapy for it. I've, you know, expressed this is how I need to do it differently. And I don't blame her. There was there was a couple years there that I I think I wanted to place blame on someone for the pain, but then I slowly began to realize like once again like she did the best she could. And she when you know better you do better. And it really doesn't have anything to do it was her own internal struggles too. You know? And I think that today sadly we're still kind of doing the same thing. Sometimes I think it it really hasn't changed a lot. The verbiage may have changed a little bit. I think that we have some ideas that look a little bit different, but for the most part, there's still this obsession with what you look like. And at the end of the day, we're still these little girls who sometimes look in the mirror who don't don't think that we're worthy because of the verbiage that we've heard our entire life. Like that that's your internal dialogue. And it doesn't matter like if you say it out loud and somebody's like, "Well, that doesn't make sense." You're like, "But it does to me." Like that's the only thing I've ever said to myself. So so how do you encourage somebody to to unlearn, to kind of go back and say, okay, like this isn't coming from a place of blame. This is coming from a place of self-awareness. I want to understand why I have the thoughts that I do and I want to make peace with them. And I want to be able to move forward to have a healthier mindset for myself and possibly your kids or future generations. Okay, the way you said it's not like, my body just dropped when you're like, our parents didn't do anything wrong. Like they were doing what they thought they were supposed to do, but it was really unhealthy messaging. And in order to change that, we have to admit that how we were parented, like we have to admit that maybe there, there were things that were not healthy. And when you have to admit that, then it, you can change, you can allow it to, for it to be different. Otherwise mm-hmm. that cycle continues. Like when right. you just, you know, you're not, op- you just keep continuing it. And that's, that's what is happening. I like cringe when I still hear that messaging and there's not any awareness that it could be different. So you have to admit that how you were parented and how you were taught maybe could have been better. And how can you give yourself what you maybe needed back then and you didn't get right. like almost like reparenting mm-hmm. and tune into some of those wounds that have become these really deep, I guess, beliefs that are just, that feel so true. Yeah, I think they they can feel really true. I express like at an early age, dissatisfaction essentially with my body. And my mom has always said, when you hurt, I hurt. And I didn't understand that saying until I became a mom myself. And it's so true. 
And so when I think back on some of those beliefs that I had growing up surrounding my weight and body, I go back to like, my mom did what she thought was the best thing to do at that time, which was to help me try to learn to love my body well. But what she was taught back then was that you do that by becoming smaller and that you do that by dieting. And that's been something that we've had so many conversations about since her and I. And, you know, she recognizes a lot of the, the trauma in that. And she recognizes that the untruth too. And I think it's now in her sixties, she's like, geez, you know, I didn't even realize that back then, like what it was doing to me. And so I just want to, I want to give that grace to anybody listening who has daughters who have maybe struggled with their body image, with their weight, whether you had anything to do with it or whether it was a boyfriend that was awful to them or whether it was a man who said something wrong or, or friends who said things wrong. It doesn't really matter where the verbiage came from. It just matters that those of us who are, who are experiencing it and living it, that we can take an honest look and be really self-aware and say, okay, but now it's time to heal. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about what that looks like to heal. I love that you're, you and your mom have had those conversations and your mom has been able to say like, oh, wow, maybe I did, I did that wrong. Let's, that's mm-hmm. like the healthiest way of repairing and we can repair in a lot of ways. I don't always feel like that is always an option, but if, if it's right. not, there are other ways I think you can repair and heal. But how, I guess, how special for you? I'm, I'm glad that you. Yeah. I'm, it was, it has not always been easy. I will say that when it, when it first happened, I think I had a ton of anger. I really did want to blame somebody, but yeah, as we've moved forward, like I can have those really honest conversations with her now, now that I am a parent and I'm parenting at an age when I started having body image issues, I can see that there's times I'm like, I don't know what to say. Like, I do not. Where did that come from? Like, you've never heard that from me. Well, you know, and so I can empathize so much more at this age as a mom too, of what she was doing and trying to do with me. And I internalized it, you know, and I do recognize and I do want to give space that you know, there's a lot of reasons that a lot of people can't have that conversation or they can't have that repairing of that relationship. And it it might be that the parent is gone. It might be that there's no way it would be well-received. But you can, I believe, and I'm not the therapist here, Riley, you are, but I believe that you can heal even if you can't heal alongside that other person. You can work on healing your own wounds and moving forward in that process. Yes, absolutely. 100%. It is not always safe. It's not always an option. I think we come by our stuff so honestly and natural, like so honestly, how we get to where we are, that healing is whatever happened was like too much too fast for our nervous system. And so healing is very slow and extending, like learning to have a relationship with yourself. I was so disconnected from my body for so long. Like I hated being in my body. So learning to have a relationship with yourself, learning to like befriend all parts of you, like the parts that you like hate the most are probably and, you know, the parts, whether that's, you know, self-judgment, the critical, the inner voice, the body, that's the part that is probably needing the most love. And that is so like tender and there's so much pain and suffering there. And it's allowing that like. I'm getting teary eyed for my clients that I work with and like my experiences too. just 
there's a lot of pain and suffering. And when we allow that like pain and suffering to exist, it doesn't hold as much power over us. I think it's the recognition that it does exist in all of us. And when we can like bravely say that, somebody I once had on the podcast said something that was so impactful and I wish I could remember who it is. But they said, I might not know your pain, but I know pain. And that is powerful to say, like, I might not know exactly what you're going through specifically. You know, as, as you're listening to this today, different things are coming up for you, I'm sure. You know, our own personal experiences are coming up for us. This has gone totally different than what we were going to talk about. <laughs> Clearly, I guess we just needed to talk about this, this particular piece, but I'm sure it's bringing up something for you guys as you're listening too. And, and it's knowing that we all experienced pain, like no one had it perfect. And that perfect is never the goal, but that's kind of what we're told that needs to be the goal is to be perfect. But I think that we kind of have to challenge that belief that a good life, a perfect life is something that that means that we've never experienced pain. Yeah. But it's recognizing that we all live with that. We all have that within. And how how then can we recognize the pain? Can we meet other people in their pain? And can we choose to heal forward? And I love that you said that healing is slow. It is slow and it's almost like titrated because what I struggle with is with these messages that are everywhere. It's like, just show up, you know, never miss a Monday fight through it. And I'm like, that feels so heavy and hard that you're just like, people are trying to claw their way through, or that's why they, they don't make the changes because it feels mm -hmm. too. And the beliefs about themselves get like grow and the shame. So like, we could go back to the self doubt. Like yeah. it's like we stuck in that headspace and it's like, wow, that's allowing that pain to exist. And realizing like that's, we have fought like as a society, we've tried to like not feel that feeling. But when you oh, allow yeah. it to exist, it all of a sudden it's there. It's a common humanity. We all have it. And then how can I learn to extend kindness to myself mm -hmm. without any conditions? It's just allowing like self-compassion is saying that like this is pain and I'm allowing this pain to exist. I think that's hard. So hard. I think it's hard for people to not want to fix it. But then what I think ends up happening is that the pain is so uncomfortable that we go to drastic measures to change the pain, to change the feeling. And then we can't do that either. And so then we settle right back in to the pain. And what we tell ourselves then is, I'm a failure. I have no self-worth. You might not even be saying I have no self-worth, but I, it's probably I'm not motivated. I have no willpower, just like you just said. Yes. And if you don't know the voice of that self-doubt, that's not very loud. It is the fear of failure or perfectionism. Like trying to like do something perfect is also a way of that self-doubt or those limiting beliefs are there too. Like it is, it, yeah. So how does a person who's maybe never really challenged this thought, who's no one has ever made them aware of this, how would you encourage them to kind of work through some of these thoughts that they might be having about themselves? It's amazing how many clients that I have that are like, I have noticed my inner dialogue, like the first time at 27 or 57. So it is realizing that there is, it is so much on this like subconscious autopilot that's just there. I think we have to just notice it. And it's really powerful to be like, I had no idea that I was saying these horrible things. That happened to me in therapy. You just described a very real experience that I had 
It was when I went to therapy for my eating disorder. I worked with a therapist who challenged me to, she actually said, get out a piece of paper and I want you to write down the thoughts that you're having. So that's an exercise that you can do. If you're listening to Riley and you're like, I actually don't have an inner voice. Uh, she's, she's quiet. Well, how do I connect to that even? Like, I don't even know what, what do you mean? It's, we're so disconnected from it. Yes, very disconnected from it. But it was so, I'll never forget that. And her being like, I've never known someone who has such, such a, a hateful view of themselves. Like we have a lot to unpack. I had a very, very harmful view of myself. And I, I didn't even realize that. And that, that is hard. That is hard. I know I've said that a couple of times, but I think it's important to recognize that, that this kind of work is the really hard work. It's hard and it's painful. And I will say that I'll raise my hand here and say that my inner dialogue and voice, I mean, I have been working on myself <laughs> for a very long time, was mm-hmm. so detrimental, like just awful. So I, I feel it too. And it is painful, but I never want to go back to the other way. No, me neither. So you uncover this, like you take down this protection, this guard, this armor that's been up, you let it down, but that's when you can start showing up as yourself. That's when you can start allowing all of you to exist. And that's like, sometimes the self-doubt is like a self-protected. Oh, yeah. You notice the first part is just knowing that like allowing these thoughts to exist and then extending some self-compassion to it. Like, wow. It's amazing what, when I can just say that, like, how much pain and suffering there must be for those thoughts to be in, in your head. And it's like, oh, they feel so validated in, in that. Like, they're at war. We can be at war with our thoughts. Oh, yeah. I, I say that a lot, being at war with yourself or your body, because that's kind of what it is. But like you just said, Riley, is we don't have to stay there. That, that's a choice. We have a choice. And I often believe that where we feel stuck in our journeys or stuck in our life is because when we think that we don't have a choice, but at the end of the day, we really do. And the choice is to stay how you feel now, or the choice is to do the work to heal it. And it is going to be this rocky climb. But like you just said, I wouldn't ever go back either. I wouldn't ever go back to that place. And I think when you add vulnerability into like, like, this is who I am. This is my struggle. People see you. And that's our, we all want to be seen. Like we all, like, we all just want to be seen and heard and felt. But I think that starts with us. I think that we have to be willing to see and hear and feel everything that we're going through because we have the power to fix it. And it has to start here. One million percent. And I like maybe that's the because I said it has to be slow, but I'm like, but I just said like 10 things. <laughs> <laughs> so it does feel like too much too fast. Like, wait, I have to get in touch with my thoughts and then I have to start sharing it with people and then I have to be vulnerable and then I have to be like, no, it's like, let's start with ourselves. Like, let's uh-huh. start with our thoughts. Like, yeah. And it's so amazing when and, and you don't have to be in therapy to do this, but I've had a, a client that will come back and say, oh, I noticed a thought and I didn't spiral. I actually like reframed it. Mm-hmm. And it's like the most small shift, but the most empowering thing that can happen. Yeah. It doesn't need to be grand. It doesn't need to be huge. It can be just one small shift that might spiral you in the opposite direction of it going the better way, of it springing you forward instead of pulling you down. 
and like ask yourself, are my thoughts bringing me to a place that I want to be of health and happiness and positivity? Or is it keeping me stuck where I am? And is it not allowing me to grow and become the person that I know I could be if I would just like shut the person up inside (laughs) who seems to have a really loud voice and kind of control over everything that I'm doing? Do you need a reset? Probably not the kind of reset you're thinking of. I don't have a quick fix, but I do have something that can help you create a foundation of self-love and appreciation for your body and your wellness journey. I created an ebook, Love Your Body Well, The Reset, with you in mind. If your mindset needs a reset and you need to learn how to tune into your body and what it needs, this ebook is for you. I share how mindset, nourishment, and habits are the building blocks to learning to love your body well. There are interactive worksheets and prompts to help you understand where you are currently and how your mindset can shift and improve, and you can get it today for only $5. You can find the link to the Love Your Body Well Reset ebook in my show notes, and my hope is that it is the first step in your healing journey. A lot of times with our thoughts, we say so much more than just the fact. There is so much judgment with it. There's so much. And so when you start recognizing that a lot of the thoughts, we add that judgment. And instead of the judgment, like, how can we extend some self-compassion instead of the judgment? Yeah, I've never really thought of it that way. Or maybe it's been a while since I have, but that's very true to just, maybe that's when you write those thoughts down and ask yourself, like, is this fact? You know, I've had people ask like in therapy, but, but is that a fact? Mm-hmm. When I was a new mom, I had a friend who I think I was struggling with anxiety about something happening. I don't know. And her response to me was, but what if it did happen? Then what? And so then I answered her and she's like, okay. And then what? And then what? And then, and, and like, and then she just walked me through this whole like cycle that in my head, I had made it to be this. Like this would be the worst thing that could ever happen to me and my family. I don't even know what what that thing was anymore, but I can remember the conversation and the impact of it. But just asking yourself like, okay, th- then what? Then what? Then what? And and half the time we've made it so huge in our mind that it's gotten all the power and it's become this unmanageable thing that likely isn't true, would never happen or would be very rare to happen. And what we've done is we've spent all this time worrying and festering over something that really didn't deserve any of our attention in the first place. Yes. It's, a again, a self-protective way because to be the uncertainty is so, it's easy, even if it's like the worst thing that could possibly happen, our brains go there as a self a way to self-protect. Yeah. I think that's why it's so important that you said without conditions. Before we hit record, you talked about that. And I wrote it in my notes here because I want to make sure that we talk about this. And that's having compassion without conditions. And I loved that when you said that. So can you kind of just dive into that more? I'd love to just hear what you have to say about that. Well, I've had to work out, like challenge my own beliefs. And I hear the word self-compassion all the time. Like it's such a buzzword because it is a very important part of healing. It really is. Like, and again, we don't have a relationship with ourselves. So how do we even show self-compassion? So we start with how would you treat like the most, you know, loving, kindest friend, like, what would you do with, and we can say that and we can, we can extend so much self-compassion to them when we turn it inward 
we're like sort of self-compassionate, but we also then can't fully allow it. And so there's like, but, or well, when this happens, or well, not right now, there aren't conditions, there's not stipulations, like there is just self-compassion is holding space for your pain and suffering and allowing it to be there. And that's actually like self-esteem. Like we do have to work on a belief that like (laughs) we are worthy enough. Yeah. Self-compassion, we don't. Like it's just allowing whatever we're feeling and instead of hating it and fighting it and pushing it away, just like allowing it to be there and saying this is hard. Do you think it comes from this this verbiage that like when things are less than ideal that we have to be working towards making them change? Well, and we almost feel like we're, oh, well, we're going to go easy on ourselves or like we know that if I'm hard on myself, like I'm a good person, but I don't want my integrity to be like, <laughs> to, I, don't, I don't want people to think I'm going easy on myself. So, but there's so much research out there that more, the more compassionate people are like, the more like boundary, the more successful, the more that like actually can take action. We're just allowing to, it to exist so it doesn't hold power so we can then move forward. I think that that's not like we're just not privy to that. No one told me that. That was never modeled to me. I didn't know. Self-compassion was not modeled to me ever. Yeah. And I think it is that being gentle with yourself and admitting like, I need help or I don't understand this, you know, mm-hmm. or I, I say often to my kids, like to one of my kids in particular at this moment, you have to allow yourself to be a beginner. And I feel like we kind of have to do that as we're unlearning some of these things that we maybe have believed about ourselves for so long, like challenging these thoughts is to go back and allow yourself to be a beginner in your own brain again and rewire the thoughts that you maybe have held in your brain for decades. I love the word gentle, and that is not something we no. allow to exist. And you can start doing that today. I have clients who are like, who knew? Who knew that you could be gentle with yourself? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I know. Tricky. Weird. Because <laughs> I think it is. It's. I'm going to use an example like that I think I, I have shared before and that I think it's relatable. It's kind of like, let's imagine, and I'm going to use the body image issue because that's we we struggle with that a lot here on the Love Your Body Well podcast. But let's say that you've recently put on like 30 pounds and you go into a group of people that you haven't seen in a while and you're nervous about it because you know that you've put on 30 pounds because you've got on the scale and you can feel it and you can your clothes aren't fitting or maybe you've had to buy a size up in jeans. And you walk into this group and you're saying to yourself, I know what they're all thinking. They're all thinking, oh my gosh, you got fat. So what what do we do? We go ahead and we intercept their thoughts and we tell them, I've just put on so much weight. It's almost like we give this excuse. We have to excuse ourselves for living. We have to excuse our body because it was in a season of change. And if I can do anything with this podcast, that is the voice that I want to quiet in your head is that your body is never allowed to change because it is. And you are not bad when you are not good if it changes either way. We have to stop attaching morality to the size of our bodies because that was the verbiage that we were told or taught. Those are the things I want to unlearn. Yes, there is. 
Yes. I don't want to add on to that. That was perfectly how you said that was beautiful. I would also get curious about your thoughts, though, because instead of, you know, like I gained 30 pounds, I'm not enough. Like maybe like this has been a really stressful few months. Maybe there is like (laughs) other things going on that we can extend like, oh, this feels hard right now. This -hmm. feels really hard. And this is where I am. Yeah. Does not affect who I am as a person, but this does feel hard. Yeah, because I use the example of weight gain, but it can also go the other way. It can be weight loss. Yes. And then that gets praised. I know. And somebody might be really struggling with something that they are unable to really process and they might not be able to fuel their body or care for their body the way that they normally do. And in turn, they might be losing weight. And sadly, in our society, then that gets praised. And they might not be being vulnerable and sharing, hey, I'm going through this really difficult time. And if I eat, I feel sick to my stomach or I have this happen. And so then their pain is getting praised. And we have to be so careful how we're talking, not only about our bodies, but about other people's bodies. And this is really timely because Christmas is next week. And we've been around a lot of people. And if comments have been made about your body or if you have thought things around other people's body, and myself is included in the statement, I do not want to let anybody who's listening to this today feel like, gosh, Amy thinks she's just got this shit all figured out. No, Amy does not always have this shit figured out. Like Amy still struggles too. And it's okay. Like it is okay to, to like have these thoughts and feelings, but we have to also recognize where change and shifts can happen and unlearning can happen. And if you've had them, it's okay. It is okay. If you've had them, you're not a bad person because you've had them. You are a person who's gone through some stuff that has led you to have those thoughts. I am so glad you brought up the comment about like commenting on people's bodies. And I've had to unlearn that. And I had a friend that was had a baby and was, was really, really struggling with postpartum so bad. And I, you know, years ago, I said, you know, like, oh, you look amazing. <laughs> she was in so much pain, so much pain. And our bodies are like, we are, we make sense. We matter. We have our worth is not connected to our size of our body right now. Mm-hmm. And I have to like, just remind everyone that we don't like, it's very easy to comment on bodies. And so I'm sorry if people have experienced that. Yeah. I think we comment on bodies, big, small, whatever, you know, I see it with kids. I notice that I do it with my kids talking about how tall they are. I have tall children. And so I will often say they're so tall. Like my daughter is very tall for her age. And I've I've had to like stop myself because I'm like, I'm commenting on her body. Like you're doing the exact thing that you have hated your entire life. You have to stop commenting. But like people will say to me, here's where this comes up. People will be like, oh my gosh, how old is she? And they guess that she's usually like two years older than she is. And then I get a complex because I was like the big girl. And I'm like, well, I don't want them to think that she's the big girl. So like recognize where your trauma is coming in. And it doesn't mean if you're a mom or whatever, like it could be any kind of relationship, but recognize maybe where the unlearning needs to happen and some gentleness could happen there too. Because my guess is that any of us who have felt this experience with the thoughts in our body, we don't wish that on anybody. We don't want anybody to experience that. So how can we do the work in us to where that, I think it can can be passed down but I think it can also be recognized by people just like in our environment, in our community. When you start to be more gentle with yourself, people catch on. Yes. 
it can be passed down and it also can be healed with like secure experiences. And, you know, I think about that moment with your daughter, you can comment and say, you know, I apologize. I never want to call out your body or, mm-hmm. you know, to my friend, like, I never meant to comment on your body and I'm sorry. And the more I have so much more awareness, I'm learning that 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 wasn't appropriate. And when people can have that moment, that repair is going to help form a better like feeling of safety in their body. And it's not a connected to a negative thought. The more work we do, we can also like repair with other people too, if we feel like that's needed. Yes. And I think that is a difficult path to navigate because you might have been somebody who always commented on how great somebody looked. And then all of a sudden now you're not. That's a tricky position. You can honor space where you are and maybe just like, I don't know, I'm doing so much work with myself that I'm realizing that, you know, I guess how I would have commented before is maybe different or I, you know, or just like reflect and maybe not, you don't have to make comments on it yet, but you can realize or just notice that like, yeah, I maybe would have had a different thought before. But I feel like as I do my own work, how I comment on people is different now. Right. I think it's letting go of that guilt or shame of where we've been and just recognizing like, okay, I've learned. And that's life. That is life. <laughs> and again, you can when you do it with somebody that feels when there's some safety or there's some trust, that is helpful. I think if it's we are shamed or it feels hard, then that's maybe not where we practice that like <laughs> repair because no, we're not perfect. We're going to we're going to get things wrong. We're all human. We are. We are. But I think it does help just to have these important conversations. I think we shared some I was a little vulnerable today in uh sharing some things. And my hope is that as you listen today that you felt that you felt seen, like Riley said. And that's really what we want is we want you to feel seen. And we don't want you to like wallow in your misery. We really want to be able to help support you on your way out. And I know that you have some different ways that you can support people, Riley. Can you please let them know how you can do that? Yes. I hang out a lot on Instagram. Through the last year, I have done different self-doubt, overcoming self-doubt, working through self-compassion courses. And I also just have some freebies that I feel like are important in the here and now what you mentioned was we don't want them to just like wallow in their Mm -hmm. like awfulness. I created just a, I think it's 20 minutes. It's just this free coping skills course to learn like our window of tolerance. And when we're in that window of tolerance, how we can, I think, learn to, I guess, extend some kindness and, and take action when we're in that window of tolerance. So they're welcome to check that out. That's either on Instagram or maybe my website, which is just myriley.com. And I'm always trying to share other ways. So Instagram would probably be the best place to to get some of my other resources. Awesome. We will put links in the show notes so you can connect with Riley using those links. And I hope this has encouraged you to have compassion without conditions and just think about some of the thoughts that you're having. Maybe pull out that pen and paper over the next couple of days and just get to know yourself again. I often say here on the podcast, come home to yourself. And as you're talking, that's kind of what I feel like. I feel like we get very, very disconnected in the busyness of our life, especially the busyness of the season that we are in. And I would just encourage you to take a couple moments for yourself in this season. Maybe like everybody goes to bed and you're by the Christmas tree with it lit and you just have like a meeting with yourself and you ask yourself like how you're really feeling about things and come there without judgment 
And if you find that you need help navigating through that, I hope you'll reach out to Riley for extra, extra support if you need it. And thanks for hitting play today on the Live Your Body Well podcast. And thanks, Riley, for being here. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Love Your Body Well podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, I would appreciate it if you would leave a rating and review and let me know what resonated with you the most. This helps more people connect to the show and allows me to continue encouraging women just like you. I love when you share episodes that impacted you on social media or with your friends and family. It truly helps spread the word of compassion and kindness that all women need more of. I invite you to continue the conversation with me on my blog, loveyourbodywell.net, or on Instagram at loveyourbodywell. Thank you for being here today. I know you have a lot of podcasts to choose from, and I'm honored that you listen to mine. This podcast is for informational purposes only and not intended to provide a diagnosis or replace medical care.